You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. Your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, LGB on the LOB. Locked on Browns, brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network. Your host, Jeff Lloyd, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. The show itself, at Locked On Browns. Today's episode of Locked On Browns is brought to you by the NFL, Locked On NFL podcast draft. Uh, I'm sorry, season preview. The NFL season is about to begin, and nobody has it covered like the Locked On Podcast Network. August 30th through September 8th. The Locked On NFL podcast is previewing every team in the NFL, every division, with the help of Odyssey's lineup of NFL experts. Follow the ultimate season preview 2021 feed on the Odyssey app wherever you get your podcasts to tune in beginning again August 30th. Uh, Looking forward to this. We were able to join uh, with some of the Odyssey experts for the uh, NFL draft. Um, it's led to be us having, you know, some great relationships here. It of course led to, you know, someone like Brian Balding are joining me here on Locked On Browns, which was an absolute blast. A guy who was truly brought in here. Speaking of absolute blasts, um, you know, obviously long time been a part here and this is what we do. Uh, we get sit down, we'll break down some player grades, PFF wise with PFF. And I've got it now, John lead analyst, Mr. John Costco. Um, John, first things first, and I will start on the defensive side of the ball. And this may be A, good on him, B, eh, on the rest of the defensive tackle room. But I think that this is kind of like a little bit of a Malik McDowell, it was either going to be a total flame out or maybe somebody that could sort of do something or could it be a little snowball that went downhill and kind of turned into something. First things first, his time here with the Browns, He's been excellent. We haven't heard anything about him off the field, which is great. Young man has now turned 25 in June. Obviously, a lot of money lost already. Just trying to put this in the picture. When Malik McDowell was drafted, my daughter was in elementary school. She is going to be a high school freshman in a few days. So just to kind of get the grasp of where Malik McDowell is from where he should have been to where he is now starting again. But John gets an opportunity yesterday, gets a sack, shows some athleticism, Pulls a PFF grade of 91.8, just like everybody saw coming, of course. But now, John, the Browns have a little bit of a situation on their hands. There were times maybe he was thought maybe the sixth defensive tackle, the seventh defensive tackle. But we're talking about guys like Sheldon Day. We're going to talk a little bit about Malik McDowell, which is like kind of like a two-way problem. Good that Sheldon Day's had some nice showing. It's good Malik McDowell had a good day yesterday. But it's also not good because there were other defensive tackles the Browns thought were going to maybe take an opportunity here. And now the Browns are kind of in a juxtaposition as far as the defensive tackle position is concerned. Yeah, I mean, I think this that position was always going to be kind of a the weak point of this defense and also the linebackers. But I think the linebackers are going to be fine um, from a from a standpoint of you know, what they have there in their scheme, but from a, you know, from nothing's going to change from last year, it's going to be players who play, but it's never going to be an important position, you know? And, and it's, 
And you look at it too. Last year for the linebacker position, they were fine. They had three guys in the top twenty-five and, and grade and stuff like that. So I think I think public perception. The problem is, is that like Mac Wilson, Jacob Phillips, they were really bad. And public perception was that the linebackers that the Cleveland Browns had were bad, but they weren't. Um, let's talk about the defensive, you know, interior defensive tackles. Malik, you know, Malik Jackson. We know the type of player that he is. He's a really solid pass rusher. He's not going to be a reliability in a run game, but he's not going to provide much in the run game for you. Um, and he's also, you know, 31, 32 years old. Sheldon Day has not been a guy in, that's been in a high quality player in the NFL. Jordan Elliott's just a second year player. And then you've got, you know, rook, a rookie in, in Marvin Wilson and Tommy Togiai. So you got unknowns there. And Andrew Billings, we know he's a, he's an ox and a run stuffer, but you know, he didn't play last year, so he has some rust that he's going to have to shake off there. So Malik McDowell, who uh, has a ton of rust because he hasn't played since he was in college, um, it showed out extremely well in this in this game, <laughs> yeah, obviously. So I think for, for the for Browns, you, you, you signed guys like Sheldon Day and Malik McDowell because you wanted to say, hey, these, these guys were super talented in college. Maybe they haven't caught on the NFL for one reason or the other. Maybe that we can bring them in our building and see if we can unlock the talent they have. You know, it's just one preseason game, but Malik McDowell obviously showed out extremely well. And if that's the type of player you can get, you're not going to get a 91 type guy. I don't, I don't think for the season, but if you can get those types of flashes from him and get a guy that you're, you know, at the defensive tackle position is grading in the seventies, that's a phenomenal get for the Cleveland Browns. You, you see it all the time where teams take flyers on high draft picks because that have flamed out in other locations and they do well in their new situations. And maybe that's going to be the case for Malik McDowell. And if that's the case, that's, you know, a huge get for the Cleveland Browns. And, you know, kudos to Andrew Berry for, for finding that and being able to bring him in. For me, John, my thought process here with Malik McDowell is you may as well start him against Atlanta. Now, I mean, now, you know, obviously the, you know, the lamp is lit a little bit. And now, but you want to start maybe see him against, you know, guys who are NFL regulars. You know, now let's see. All right, you've had a taste of it. You've had some success. Can you take the next step forward? And with a player like him, and, you know, I know it sounds terrible to say, you ride the wave. You know, Alden Smiths of the world, the Josh Gordons of the world, you ride the wave. If they can be great for you for a month, six weeks, you get a whole season out of them, you take it. But you might as well see, you know, what truly you have there and give them some real serious reps next week and say, all right, well, you know, is it all starting to come back, this great athleticism you had, this fact that you were, you know, considered such a high prospect, everybody kind of really was hesitant about the off-the-field type of guy he was, but, you know, everybody, you know, <laughs> you don't always have to be the best soldier, but if you're the best soldier with a weapon, you're always going to get your opportunities. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a reason why he was a 35th, you know, selection in the 2017 draft, you know, because I talk about the, the, the side size height, you know, the height, weight, speed was this factor for him at that position. He graded out extremely well in college. You know, he had a, he was a top, you know, top 10, you know, 90, 90th percentile type guy in pass rush grade on true pass rush sets, um, pass rush win percentage. So he was, he was an, a stud at rushing the passer and he was very, you know, very solid against the run. So I think Finally, you get you get in a guy who you know you know the type of athlete he is and everything like that is like obviously for him it's all the off field stuff. So it, can he get his mind right and be you know in this new situation be be a weapon for you? And 
Maybe, maybe, maybe he can be that. And I agree, start him this week, see what he can do against starters, or at least rotate him in with the starters, and depending on, you know, is Kevin Stefanski going to play starters in this preseason? Who knows? Um, maybe he does this weekend, maybe he doesn't. But if he doesn't, then he's going to get his opportunity, obviously. So, um, and if they start to have starters and out there, I'd say you, you got to get him in rotation, see what he can do in, in a live situation where you're maybe, maybe there's somewhat of a game plan with, with your, you know, offense and defense or whatever. So, um, yeah, he's, he's a guy that, you know, he's, he's a, you know, in college was a tremendous pass rusher that translated to one preseason game this year. Let's see if he can continue that, that trend in his, you know, career that's been quite interesting so far. Yeah. I mean, if you want to talk about an athletic makeup, I mean, he's kind of on par with the, you know, Miles Garrett's of the world, the JD, uh, Jadavian Clowney's of the world. You can either get something and, you know, again, this may be more of, they may never have anticipated this. I'm sure they probably felt, well, we got the two young guys, you know, we have Billings who we've been waiting on. Obviously Jordan Elliott's one of their guys. They signed Malik Jackson for a reason. So it's going to be certainly fun to see how it plays out, you know, you know, lightning in a bottle. I mean, you know, We'll see. It could maybe be something here. Um, John, I think one thing we noticed, um, maybe the NFL world came back a little bit to Richard LeCount, to JOK, to Greg Newsom a little bit this week. And it's going to happen. That's what makes you rookies in the NFL. You're going to miss tackles. Uh, you know, even the greatest of the great don't come in, you know, 110% polished. Um, but some thoughts on them and maybe some guys who maybe stood out, you know, more on the positive side that maybe folks didn't truly pick up in yesterday's viewing. Yeah. JOK, you know, this is the one of the things, one of the things about him that uh, coming out of college, I was not big on is that his, his eyes need to be right. And his eyes were frequently not right in college, meaning that his instincts weren't right where he wasn't in the right spots. He was quite out of, you know, quite often out of position. Um, he wasn't targeted in this game. So that's in terms of like a coverage standpoint, like there was nothing, nothing really much to go off of. But, um, you know, from a run game standpoint, he, you know, he missed a tackle. He, he was not great in terms of, you know, I mean, he didn't have any tackles in this game. So, you know, he, he didn't grade very well. Richard LeCount, he, he was, you know, busted on his, yeah, it was cover four, this seam ball down the middle of the field. He was way late. He was trying to cheat over to the, to the, the single receiver side when he needed to be covering the number three vertical, didn't do that. And then took a really bad angle on top of that. Um, so, you know, that's where kind of like he came crashing back down. You know, you, you have, especially in a, in a situation where uh, a preseason game as safety, if you, if you bust on a play like that and you know, you don't, you don't have any money, many other opportunities to make up for it. Uh, your coverage grade is going to take a monster hit. So that's kind of what happened to him. And I think that's one of the reasons why you, you saw him go in the fifth round, even though he was a, a Georgia prospect that, you know, highly touted coming out of high school. So yeah, the, the rookies are going to have those, those peaks and valleys. And this is why it's great for the Cleveland Browns to be such a deep roster is that you don't have to start these guys. Like the Browns have seen so often in the past, these guys can sit on a bench. They can learn, they can be in there in spot situations where, the coaches know that they're comfortable at and maybe hopefully, you know, grow into the roles that they'll eventually have. Okay. Now anybody positive that maybe somebody, nobody picked up on yesterday. Uh, I mean, I think AJ green had a really solid game. Um, this is one know. that's getting really, really interesting. Cause look, greedy Williams, maybe the injury is nothing, but you get in a position where greedy Williams is your fourth cornerback. How does that work out with a player who was a former number two, you know, a second round pick AJ Green is obviously a player they have a small investment in. They don't have any investment in Greedy Williams. 
that's something that could be something to monitor, you know, here over the next week, two weeks, three, oh, three weeks till God damn it. But yes, something to monitor. I mean, AJ Green's a player they thought something of. Greedy Williams is a player they inherited. Yeah, AJ Green looked better to me. He looked, he he moved around the field. He, he you know, was his click his and close, his click and close on the one on the reception he gave up. I mean, look, yeah, it's four yards, but whatever. And most players will just say, "All right, well, the player will go out of bounds." The fact that he took him out of bounds that shows me he's there, and you know everything he's seeing, everything he's seeing it, he's seeing everything in front of him. Yeah, and you t- you talk about turning and running, and and like you said, you're clicking close, driving on underneath stuff, uh, you know, cu- cutting on on horizontal, in, in breaking route, out breaking routes. He had he just looked more fluid, more explosive than Greedy Williams did, and. You know, greedy. Part of it is like how how healthy is greedy, right? He came out of the game because of his groin, but he didn't look good in the the few snaps that he had out there. He had ten, you know, twenty twenty eight snaps. He had ten in run defense and eighteen in, in coverage. So, um, so far this preseason, but he he's not a he's not a guy that that has so far shown like you popped off the tape, right? Part of it, how how healthy is he? But AJ Green looks like the better player right now. And if you're talking about your fourth cornerback behind you know, Denzel Ward, maybe great, you know, Greg Newsom if he's moved into that, you know, the number three spot and then Troy Hill, you know, Greedy hasn't shown me anything. You know, I I think as a rookie, he struggled and then didn't play at all the next year. And I think it's, he's really got to be out there on the field and he's got to stay healthy. And he's just not doing that right now. Really, really makes for a difficult situation all around for, you know, obviously for Greedy Williams uh, and obviously for the Browns. I'm not saying he's going to be, you know, not that he's in a position where he can, you know, basically pull the, you know, the pouting card, but, you know, and I, I keep saying it and I'm not saying it it's going to happen, but it wouldn't stun me if there was some scenario where another team said, Hey, we'll take that off your hands. And, you know, maybe there's something that works for the Browns and you just find a way to transition on with, you know, uh, you know, and look, you know, they brought in Hill, they drafted Newsom. They, AJ Green, these are all players they've acquired knowing that Greedy Williams was on this roster. It does make you it does make you wonder. And you know, we'll see the way it plays out. You know, and it's nothing against Greedy. And it's fair to say nothing really against Greedy, because John, we really have never really seen the kid. We haven't seen much of him. As yeah. we certainly haven't seen him in Joe Woods defense. No, we haven't seen him in Joe Woods' defense, and and what we have seen of him in the NFL has not been good. So just because he was a second, you know, round pick and you know, a couple years ago doesn't mean anything. I think we've seen second round picks bust all the time. And I know that he was touted highly, you know, even, even by us at PFF, I think, I think, you know, you know, Mike Renner, who, who does our draft board and stuff like that, had a, was he around like eight, nine, 10, maybe top 15, somewhere in that range. But one of the, my concerns of him coming out, and I think you see the raw talent when, when it came out, you know, he was coming out of college, but part of it was, I, there were a lot of reps on tape where it's kind of like he's a little bit lazy there. Like he just kind of, was not relying on technique and was just more like he's just relying on pure athleticism. And he, and he didn't, didn't test like an elite athlete anyway. So, right. He didn't. And then you look at the combine and he quit out on, he got hurt, right. He got hurt at the combine. So those are all for me, those are all kind of red flags, right? I didn't think he got hurt. I thought he quit. Um, but right. I'm, I don't want to, I don't want to say, you know, I don't, I don't want to accuse a guy of like of quitting on something in a, in a, in a, in a combine or in a situation or whatever. But I think, Hey, if he gets hurt, like he got hurt at the combine, he was hurt in college. He's now hurt in the NFL. Like part, sometimes guys just cannot stay healthy. Um, unfortunately. So 
I think Greedy Williams really needs to have a you know a come back from this groin injury that he has and and play in this preseason game if he can and really show out well to. I don't I don't think he's in jeopardy of losing a roster spot at this point, but I mean he really he, I mean time's ticking for him in, in the NFL. Well, and the other thing is, is you know, the Browns is, you know, is there somebody else you'd rather get a look at? Because now we're talking about maybe Greedy Williams being your fifth corner. You know, do you want to keep him over somebody else that maybe you think maybe has a little bit of promise? It's a tough situation. But again, for the Browns, this is a really good situation to be in where you're talking about whether or not you think Greedy Williams is capable enough of being your fifth corner. We're gonna this, is why you load up on, this is why you load up on quarterbacks just constantly. Right. I, I talk about this all the time. Just load up on that position. Well, look, I mean, if you're going to be good, you're going to have to cover a lot. So you might as well have a bunch of them and not be starting practice squad players in playoff games. We're going to get to the offensive side of the ball here with John Costco, lead analyst from PFF on your latest Locked On Browns. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including, of course, the MLB, the NFL preseason and regular season, and all your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head on over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. John, offensively, I think the first thing I take away is. Maybe, yes, the Giants are a little bit better than the Jaguars. And maybe it's because we're still not seeing the Browns' ones on offense. Um, it didn't seem like it had the Christmas of week one. Again, this may be a Giants thing versus, you know, playing the Jaguars thing. Um, you see good things out of Dearness Johnson. You see, you know, good production out of John Kelly, which is a shame. John Kelly's a player I've always liked. Um, not a chance in hell of him making this Browns roster. Um Kaderil Hodge getting an opportunity. Donovan Peoples-Jones with another nice reception. Um, the, but, the you know, only 17. But, again, a win's a win's a win, even if it is the preseason. You know, it makes everybody feel better in the locker room. Um, but the thing I'm seeing, John, and there is a lot of crispness, and it seems everybody knows their role. And just the overall functioning of it looks great, which, again, has me jonesing to see the top-tier talent on this Browns offense because it seems the coaching – is resonating. It seems all of you know everything, you know, whiteboard is being learned. Players are not confused. Um, but so some thoughts here, you know, Brown's offense yesterday, you know, the numbers weren't there from week one of preseason. But again, this is also this part of camp where legs start to get a little bit tired. You know, this is that, you know, basically the halfway point um, of training camp. But go ahead, John. Yeah, so one of the reasons why this game didn't look as crisp and, and executed as well and just if offensive efficiency that you saw from week one is is the quarterbacks didn't play very well in this game. Uh, when your quarterbacks don't play well in a game, you know, it's hard to look good in the game. Case Keenum outside of, you know, maybe that first drive was not good in this game. He had a passing grade of 31.4. Even in, in passes that, like, that were completed, Donovan Peoples-Jones had an acrobatic catch that he had a, like, Literally, yeah, he's <laughs> totally and fantastic. That's two weeks in a row that he's done that now. Um, and you know, the one throw that was to you know the Hodge in the, in the end zone that was a really good throw. But other than that, really, is he struggled to to pinpoint his throws and and just to be accurate. And I think you you look at what this you know again. 
I, I look at the Browns offense, but you haven't had any of the starters out there. So you, you take away the quarterback position from the Browns offense for the, throughout this preseason. And they're the fourth highest graded offense without having starters out there on the field. Um, and that's, you know, you're talking about a pass protection grade that this, this offensive line has of 48.3. So you're talking about your backups not playing very well in the offensive line from pass protection standpoint. So I think that from an up, what's nice about it is that I think the offense is executing at a high level outside of the quarterback position, which I think kind of points to the, the you know, the, how good Baker Mayfield is and how badly this team needs a guy like that because you go into a regular season and while as deep as this team is, if they can't have a quarterback that, that just at least manages the game they're they're no team can cannot really function and, and win games so um i think that's you know that shows how important baker mayfield will be to this offense because of how it's already at a, at a floor level being really good and then baker mayfield just can to elevate it to another another level you look at it from this game this this game in general without the quarterbacks that you know how bad they were their offensive grade was a 75.6 you know with with the quarterbacks it's way down so they're they're still executing at a good level outside of everything else at the quarterback position. All right, John, something interesting. We saw some uh, new player play the center position this week, um, which apparently doesn't bode well for Nick Harris because Nick Harris is kind of a one-trick pony in that he's just a center. Um, but this has been and w- has been and will be, you know, for the next week or so, the more intriguing battles of 2020 Browns training camp. How the reserve offensive lineman looking? Uh, well, like I was just saying, not great in pass protection, but they are executing in a run game, which is you know you look at Alex Taylor. Ernest, you look at John Kelly. John Kelly. There's a reason for it, right? Uh, so like Alex Taylor, obviously, I think he just went on IR with the ankle thing, but he looked good in this game. What now? Uh, injury uh, waves with an inju- injury designation. Yeah, yes. that's where it is, isn't it? Basically, basically, he'll probably get on the injury reserve or something like that. I think that's how that usually works. But he had a ninety-one point three in this game, a run block grade. You know, Greg Greg Sanat, eighty-five point six. Colby Gasat, eighty-five. Drew Forbes, eighty-three point six. Which is good though, because last week Drew, uh, Drew Forbes had a very high pass pro grade. So this week now, and keep in mind, Drew Forbes is another one here with the year off. Yeah, and then Blake Hans, like we were talking about, 81.2 in, in the run block game. The problem is, though, Forbes, Hans, and Gassat have all had thir- you know, 39, 32, and 26 grades in pass protection. So while they, the they – ex- Yeah, so they so they <laughs> played well last week in the pass protection, and then it kind of plummeted this week. And they last week was not great in the run block, and it's, it, it, it <laughs> went up in, in the run block. So, yeah, the offensive line, I think, has been inconsistent, which you kind of expect from your reserve guys. Um, you know, I think, I think you have some, some solid pieces there. I think you still, still like the rookie James Hudson has not played well this preseason. Um, 30, 31.9 in this game and followed up, followed that up with like a, what is it? Something in the thirties last week as well. So he's not been good there. Um, and then you look at the, the running backs kind of bailed these guys out in a way, John Kelly and Demetri Felton both looked really good. Um, and Dearness Johnson also as well. So though the running backs are, <laughs> you talk about a deep running back group. Uh, all those guys are really serviceable as you. This was a college guy. team. You'd be, you'd be foaming at the oh. mouth. This was a college roster. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think all these guys are just, we saw it from Dearness Johnson in live game action last year, where he, 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 as a spell back, you can, you can trust him to do what he, what he needs to do. And then, you know, they added John Kelly and Demetri Felton this year and that they, 
they're excelling as well. So I, I, they have a good problem at having too deep of a position at that running back position. I think that's another thing too, is that like you can't keep all these guys. So they have, they have trade options. And when it comes to your final cuts and stuff like that, rather than just outright cutting guys for, so um, they, 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 it's a good problem to have for the Browns right now. Yeah. And you, you seem to notice this, you know, the Browns last week were ahead of the deadline with their cuts this week, they're ahead of the deadline with their moves. And I think this is a tough spot to be in because they understand that they're going to move on, John, from some talented players, which A, looks good for them because there's players that have come here and have improved their overall game and gives them an opportunity to go somewhere else. But <clears throat> with the difficult position, uh, decisions that are going to have to be made, you've got to keep it business and understand, you know, you know, and maybe there's a list going into the weekend. Hey, here's the five that we think we're going to go, you know, we'll be gone come Monday. Let's see if somebody breaks the mold. But, you know, as much as you're excited for these guys and it's difficult to move on, you it's a business. And <laughs> if you don't cut them, the NFL is going to come take five. It's just the way it works. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, <clears throat> It's a good problem to have, like I just said, you know, with the, with the especially the wide receiver position. I mean that battle for the three, four, five positions on that in that wide receiver group. They're they're really battling for it. You talk about we know we know what uh, um, Rashad Higgins brings to the table. He's he's super reliable for Baker Mayfield. I think he makes the roster. Donovan Peoples Jones obviously I think is making the roster. So then you're you're talking about Kadero Hodge and uh, Davion Davis both both playing extremely well in this game. You know, making some really good catches. There was a there was a pass that. Was it Keenum that it was either Keenum or, or uh, Kyle Loletta that underthrew a go ball to Davion Davis, and he made a really sharp oh, oh, yeah. come back to the ball, and and you know this tracked like the ball extremely well. Yep, right, like that's you bailing out your quarterback in, in a situation like that, and you you know sometimes sometimes wide receivers just just have it, and so far what we've seen from a you know from a ball tracking standpoint from Davion Davis has been really excellent, and. I think we know what, what Kadero Hodge brings to the table. Um, I would want to see what the, the potential upside is in a, in a Davion Davis. Um, heck, you might, you might be able to keep – one of the things, obviously, you know, Anthony Schwartz hasn't been able to play because of his injuries, but um, you'd, you'd hope to be able to see him this coming week if, he, if he's healthy enough because, man, that really – you know, that 5-6 spot on the wide receiver group is – that battle is, is really, really interesting. Oh yeah, it, it, there's some depth to it, and obviously, you know, Hodge kind of has his little calling card, and you know, Hodge, he's kind of been a guy. You know, he seems like he's the pinch hitter who never really gets to start, but anytime the Browns actually put him at the wide receiver position and threw him the ball, he was able to kind of make something happen. So certainly, an interesting player here. And again, it's you know, it's rich people problems as the Browns now at 80 and still have to you know find a way to move on from 27, which seems astronomical at this point. But at the end of the day, business, business, you got to do what you got to do. We're going to get to a couple more questions here as we maybe talk a little bit about trimming this down to the 53. John Costco along for the ride here on your latest edition of Locked On Browns. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com right now and shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Whether it is simple things, headlights, blinker lights, carpet, floor mats, rockauto.com has you covered. But if it's major stuff, water pump, head gasket, they have you covered as well. Go to rockauto.com right now 
and view all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know the folks over here at locked on sent you their way amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com john with the state of the defensive line with the injuries at the linebacker position could be there could there be a situation here where maybe you say all right we know Jacob Phillips is gone. We're not exactly sure what we've got at the linebacker position. So maybe we'll keep one less for the time being and give this defensive tackle room a couple of weeks to figure itself out. There's a lot of players with potential that we like. Malik McDowell is maybe a situation we weren't ready for. We've lost Phillips. We like Taki Taki. We like Malcolm Smith. We you know, obviously brought in Walker. We like JOK. Maybe we're good at four and we can give this defensive line, especially with attack McKinley's another one. Maybe you run with a little bit more at the defensive line because you're still trying to work this out. And preseason didn't truly give you what you were hoping as far as trying to get a fair assessment on everybody. Yeah. Linebacker reminded me they had, they kept five on the roster last well, year. I'm sorry. And Elijah Lee, who's probably, who's probably, I mean, he, he's in the linebacker room, but we yeah. pretty much know what his role is. Yeah. They, they kept five linebackers last year and I believe five defensive tackles last year, yep. basically on, on their 53. So, I mean, you're, you're trying to make a decision between, you know, obviously Jacob Phillips is, is gone for the year. Um, I don't, you know, Malcolm Smith, the only talkie talkie, um, Anthony Walker, I think those guys are all going to be on, on the team. And then JOK, so you, there's your four. And then you're trying to determine, all right, who's who's your fifth fifth linebacker that you're going to keep on the, on the team? I don't see them keeping Mac Wilson. He hasn't shown anything. Um, but if it's Elijah Lee versus Mac Wilson, Elijah Lee showed you yesterday, if you need him to, he can do a couple of things. But we know Mac Wilson can't do what Elijah Lee does. Right, ex- exactly. I, I think I think you're cutting – cutting Mac Wilson and keeping Elijah Lee on the, on the team. Um, you know, even, even though you're talking the difference of, you know, seventh round pick versus a fifth round pick or whatever. But like, I think, I think what we've seen from Mac Wilson so far in, in the NFL and then also even the, this preseason, it just not, has not been good. It just, he, he hasn't shown you know, a lot of times when you see what you see in a, from a, a player standpoint is you do see a, a third year leap that a lot of players make, and typically when they make that leap, it's kind of like, all right, this is kind of what their, their career is going to get to when they, you know, when they show out. Marvin Wilson, uh, I'm sorry, not Marvin Wilson, but Mac Wilson has been, been the, the lowest, you know, he and Jacob Phillips have been the lowest two graded linebackers this preseason for the, for the Cleveland Browns. So Mac Wilson hasn't shown an improvement over last year or the year before. Um, this game was better, but like, I don't, it wasn't that much better, right? Like, uh, and you're talking about getting better from a. But it's not better in terms of you know, is he saving his spot on this roster to never hopefully play it down? It's I'm talking about like he had, he created a 29.7 in week one, and on four, that was on four snaps, and then he was a 60.3 this 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 past week. Now, if he's a 60.3 player for his his career, that's still not a very good player. Like, it's just you're talking about a replacement level guy that you can you know, get somebody else to, to fill that role. And so he doesn't do anything special that he brings to the table. I think he's going to be the one that you, you cut. And, you know, if they keep him over Elijah Lee, then, 
you know, maybe they see something that I'm not. And then I think at the, you know, so there wouldn't, for me, I, even, even so, like you're talking about, all right, do you want to keep an extra defense interviewer defensive lineman and cut one of these, these linebackers. So you're only keeping four linebackers and keeping six defensive tackles. That might be the better way to go because you're talking, all right, Malik Jackson. And you can always Jackson. use JOK as a four and a half. He could be a four, you know, a, your fourth and a half linebacker, but also be, you know, your fourth and a half or fifth and a half defensive back. Right. Exactly. And I think with the, these defensive tackles, like, I think the only guy that you can clearly cut might might be like a Sheldon Day because I think you want to see what you get in Marvin Wilson as he develops and, and we, we you know, five former five star athlete he somehow went UDFA when he was in college his first two seasons he was a ninety plus graded defensive tackle as a, as a freshman and a sophomore and then for whatever reason he graded down in the sixties as a junior um, so I, I want to see what type of you know hey was that on just a fluke last year? Did he have COVID at the beginning of the year and never had his legs under him? I, I don't know, right? So I think you want to see what you got there. I think Malik McDowell has, has definitely played into earning a, a, a spot on this roster. Andrew Billings is a guy that you brought in last year, and, and unfortunately, you know, he, he opted out. But you want to see what he can do still. And, and to, Tommy Togia is kind of like a replica of, of Andrew Billings. Is, an ox of a, of a, a human being. So I think you're keep, you could, you can make the case to keep six guys here and only four linebackers um, because of, I think there's a potential depth that in development that you want for some of these guys and you don't want to lose, lose them if you potentially cut them and hope, hope the sign on a practice squad. Yeah. It, it's going to get really, really intricate. And, and for Joe Woods, look, this is what you asked for. Joe Woods, look, I mean, you know, you, you know, you bit the bullet this, you know, last year you had what you had. But now it's, you know, find a way to whittle this down here. And look, yeah, there's going to be some names you're going to have to let go of that, you know, maybe you would have liked a little more time with. But, you know, hey, this is the the path that the Browns are currently on now. And expectations are real and legitimate. And for some people, we ain't maybe got the time for some of these young kids. So maybe that's the way it could work out in some routes. But with a guy like Shell today, maybe you played well enough to earn your spot. But, you know, if we're talking about fourth or fifth defensive tackle, I'd rather gamble on a couple of 21-year-olds than a guy who's been in the NFL for five or six years. And it's not that Sheldon Day won't be able to find a home as a rotational defensive tackle for somebody else. He will. It'll work out that way. Um, we talked about the cornerback room. The safeties, this is really interesting, John, because and, – and here we are into it, and I hate this. I absolutely hate this for Grant Delpit. Great player, extremely high on him. Um, look, there's no question about whether or not he's going to make this roster, but, you know, it's getting to the point now where, you know – and look, coming back from an Achilles, it's not easy. And it's understandable that, you know, maybe sometimes you're compensating and you get into the situation that you are. But the Browns and Joe Woods had a lot of thoughts about running a lot of three safety sets. And now it's, you know, are we actually going to get to see that come to fruition? It's, it's tough because, um, I mean, an Achilles injury is not an easy injury just to come back from. So, He's trying to do this, or I would say early. I think it's it's a worse injury than, than an ACL, um, because because it's it either. But no, they, either, when you do your when you get your ACL done, it essentially is stronger. It takes a while to get used to it. Your Achilles, it does never come back stronger. No, I, and <laughs> the fortunate thing for him is he's done it at a young age. Because like if you're talking about it, yeah. doing it at an old age, there's well, no chance. Burn an example, back. of course. Yeah, there's no chance of coming back from it. I, and for him, it's unfortunate because he's probably trying to come back early and then he's compensating for 
it just isn't right, and he's then pulled confidence level. You know, of course, right. So like, I wouldn't mind seeing them shut him down for a bit to just get all right, get your confidence back. Let's just rebuild this up. Make make sure that your flexibility is there and you have the full range of motion and everything like that. But yeah, you're right. Like from a Joe Wood standpoint, he doesn't have the flexibility now with these 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 safeties that he was hoping to have. Um, obviously, bringing in John Johnson and and then Ronnie Harrison last year in preseason you know, at the end of preseason after the cutdowns, uh, no, they traded for him. Um, yep. They, you know, you've got two really solid options there. Now it's just like, all right, there isn't that great third option. Sheldrick Red, Red Wine isn't, you know, you can't rely on him. Um, but he's also in the same boat. He hasn't done anything this summer either. So, right, and and he just yeah, exactly. So then you know you're not going to. St- you're not going to have significant snaps likely to, you know, Richard LeCount, um, you know, fifth round pick out, out of Georgia. And then, you know, you're talking to other guys of, of Javante Mafad and Elijah Fenton. And they're just not going to be getting reps there. So you're going to have Ronnie Harris and John Johnson, hopefully lock that down, not get injured and, you know, maybe rotate Grant Delpit into these things. Cause it's, it's unfortunate. You want, I want to see him play because I want to see what he can do. We know the talent he can he can bring to the table. We just haven't seen it yet. And it's also a question of whether or not you know he's physically or mentally slash physically ready, where the confidence he has to go. And that's a tough spot for you know any player to be you know in coming off an injury that Grant Delpa did. Uh, we've gone through PFF grades on the defensive side of the ball, where Malik McDowell has now become an interesting problem for the Browns. Offensive side of the ball. Um, some things have got a little better this week. Some things certainly tapered off. I think John, I think myself, we'd like to see some starters. We don't know if we're going to get to do that. I think I, I just want to see some of the better talent from the standpoint of everything looks pretty crisp for everybody. So I'd really like to see what where it is with the first stringers. Yeah, you know, I don't know what the philosophy, you know, we don't know yet what the philosophy is for Kevin Spansky in the preseason, right? So, um, We've seen, you know, there's no preseason last year, so we can't get a, a, a you know, a, a view on that until this preseason's over. So if they, if they, you know, decide not to start these, pre, you know, starters, all Sean McVay, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, we've seen great success out of Sean McVay led offenses. And we saw last year, um, you know, the Browns win 11 games uh, without having a preseason, but at the same time, Patrick Mahomes has played in this preseason. Tom Brady's played in this preseason. Lots of starters have played, you know, starting quarterbacks have played in this preseason. Um, so there's different philosophies for, for every team and everything, like every coach. So I would hope to be able to see them just to they want them in live game action. Because um, even if it's think- a drive, if it's a drive and they go score, or they get the ball inside the 10 yard line, it even ends up at a field goal. You know what, boys? I'm good. I'm cool with it. Baseball hats for everybody. Yeah, and and you know I get I get not playing them this past week because you had practices that were against the team and you got know when you, when you, yeah it got chippy but it's also just like there's there's like it's that's almost like live action and it's almost yeah. game situation when you're going up against another team so that makes sense not to play in this game this coming this last game I think you want to see you want to see you know maybe a quarter out of them or whatever it is just so you can see them on the field in real game, live game action with tackling and stuff like that. I, I think the risk for injury is I get that, but I mean, Tom Brady plays in the preseason. So no, and, Tom Brady look, can do it. Anybody can do it. But the other thing though, is, is look, there's still at the end of the day, there's still kids who play this game for a living. 
And how do you tell them to basically do all of this work for six to seven weeks and say, oh, there's nothing till September 13th. And it's really, really hard. I mean, to, I mean, you're sitting there literally holding everybody back, which is really difficult to do. So yeah. look, we did offense. We did defense, PFF-wise. Started to whittle down a little bit here and some thoughts on the 53 with PFF lead analyst John Costco at John Costco 3. Always a pleasure, and I love to continue to do this. A number one, everybody, Browns-wise, seems to love the PFF influence, which is a great thing. And number two, I love just talking with John, getting his insight as well. So these shows always really do well, and I'm glad you guys all enjoy them. Uh, the show itself, at Lockdown Browns, follow back account, as you all know. Me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, throw a follow over there. DMs are open. Questions, ideas for the show, you guys know. I am always receptive on that front. Apple, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you listen to your podcasts, make sure you're following or subscribe to the Lockdown Browns podcast. Five-star ratings, written reviews. All that being said, kids, juices are flowing. Browns are 2-0. and Everything's looking good, looking really, really crisp in year two of the Barry Stefanski era. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.